turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's a delight to have uh, with us on the line this time, not in person, uh, not in studio, but um, on the line, Sam Stone, candidate for city council here in District 6, which is where we broadcast from, where I live, where many of you do. Uh, and um, his website, samstone.vote. He is uh, my candidate. He has uh, been endorsed by Sal DeCicio. He's been endorsed by a great many people and uh, has just been running a great grassroots campaign with the help of many in this listening audience. Uh, He'll take calls. Some of you are on hold on a bunch of issues. We'll get to you in a moment if you uh, don't mind. I just got in the mail today my ballot, uh, and um, it will be turned around and out in tomorrow's mail. Sam, welcome back. How are you? Seth, I'm doing great, and I can't thank you enough. I appreciate the the vote, man. Yes, well, it's it's. <laughs> I, I we were telling people last week when they start getting their ballots, which I guess they will be this week now. Um, don't wait. Don't put it aside and do it later. Turn it around immediately. Turn it around immediately. You, know, you get it, get it in the mail the, the same day or the next day as soon as you can, folks. That's going to really help us. We have limited resources. We have to chase every ballot that's out there for us to, to go get. And we'll know uh, a few days after it gets to the city that it's gotten there, that your ballot's been turned in. So at that point, I can cross you off the list and I can go chase someone else who hasn't turned in that ballot yet. It's really important for us. This is the last conservative you have a chance to vote for, uh, the only conservative you'll have a cho- choice to vote for. This year, folks, not only is he a conservative, he's also um, a widely uh, and broadly studied and thinking man, which is why he likes weighing in on other issues. I was saying to the audience in the last hour, Sam, you know, you listen to when you're comfortable with what you are and who you are and what you know and what you think when you're comfortable with all that. You don't say things like Karen Jean-Pierre and John Kirby or Joe Biden. You don't say things like, well, I can't answer that because it's not in my lane or that's above my pay grade. You don't say things like, uh, give me a break, man, um, as, a, as a conversation stopper. You take the damn question, which is what you do. It, it's what I've always done. And good grief, man. I, I don't know. Corinne Jean-Pierre is setting new standards for I don't know uh, as an answer to everything. It's so weird what she has been able to get away with. It's so weird. And the other day she said, well, the president is our best communicator. She may have been right. She may have been right. She may have been. But that was the most clear sentence she's uttered in about a month. That is. And and you know what? I mean, when you think about it, Ron Klain's no longer there. He was definitely a little bit better than Biden. I don't know. That seems fair. Yeah, Yeah. it it might. She might be right about that. She might be right. Um, We won't. uh, It wouldn't be uh, normally the case that when you're running for city council, I would go to a a story that's from out of state. But I'd like to keep uh, my I'd like to give my uh, my callers uh, first first dibs on everything. So if it's okay, we'll go to uh, Mike and Maricopa. Mike, you're on with Sam Stone, and uh, feel free to let her rip. Very good, Seth. Stan, Sam, it's good talking to you. 
I'm sorry, I can't vote for you. I don't live in Ahwatukee. I live way south in uh, Maricopa, but uh, all the luck to you. Uh, I had called. Uh, Seth had asked Bill last hour of about where and when they had heard about this train derail. And I have to admit, the only network that I've heard is uh, Salem Network right here. I heard it on Monday morning no. of when it had actually happened. Yeah, let me set that up a little bit further, Mike. Uh, Sam, I was making the point, I was asking people uh, when they first became aware of this East Palestine Palestine train derailment, and most people were saying, I think Monday, I think roughly Monday. This thing happened two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It's yes. incredible the kind of blackout that the administration put on it. You know why they heard about it Monday? It's the first time Pete Buttigieg talked about it. That's why. Well, that also times, I think, with when they made the decision to dump the materials from the rest of the train cars and light them on fire, yeah. if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So, it coincides with so that as well. Giant burning firebrands tend to draw attention that maybe even this administration can't cover up. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But Pete Buttigieg didn't go to the town hall uh, last night because he knew the political optics would be bad. But if he were as fluid and influent and fluent with public policy and as at ease as everyone tells us he is supposedly, mostly it's with friendly interviews. You know what? He'd have shown up. Sam would have shown up. Mike, uh, let oh. me let me not filibuster, Mike. I'll let you uh, go ahead with your main point, and then I'll go to Sam for a comment. Okay, very good. Uh, the uh, two things here, we, we covered the train derailment, and, and I did hear, I think you guys reported it on the morning of when it derailed. Yeah. That wasn't just three, four days, like you say, that was two weeks ago. Yeah. And the other thing I have to give you guys kudos to, and we've talked about it before, is the trial that's going on in New York with Garcia Luna. And again, you guys are the only network that has covered it, and uh, we, there was some pretty damning uh, evidence that was uh, delivered by El Rey Zambada, the uh, brother of El Mayo Zambada. Uh, uh, Sam, are you familiar? Yeah, with this is the head of that. Right, Sam. This is the head of the Mexico FBI who is now on trial for accepting cartel bribes in New York. I mean, it's not getting any story. It's not getting really much news at all. But this is a big get. This is a big get. Uh it's a huge get, and as I understand it, it actually ties back some to the Hunter Biden laptop story. So, I mean, you're talking about some incredibly corrupt FBI official, and it's really clear that the press has been doing everything they can to ignore that story um, because it has so many implications. I mean, I think really clearly there is a massive cultural problem at the FBI right now, and the left and, and the corporate media just totally refuse to admit it. Sam, let me uh, let me go to your campaign for a moment. Uh, tell me how things are going. And before you get to that, do that thing you do about, you know, if how many Republicans there are in the area and uh, the percentage needed to win and just how within reach this race is. Yeah, this this, folks, I am blasting right now and I'm asking all of our elected officials, anyone who, who knows anyone in the Phoenix area, go go ahead, jump on my Twitter, jump on my Facebook. You can get the graphics there. You can email us at, at uh, uh, Sam at SamStone.vote. But uh, we have 44,000 Republicans in this district, registered Republicans. This race will probably only have forty to 50,000 votes cast in it, maybe 60 on the high side. Uh, 
So if we have 25 or 30,000 Republicans turn out and vote for me in this race, we're going to win. And that's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to tell everybody, look, this is going to matter. The votes are going to be counted by the city clerk. We have no concerns at all with this election. Get your ballot turned around now. Get it in, because if I can get 30,000 Republicans to turn in out of 44,000, and that's not crazy at all for this district, we're going to win this thing. There you go. There you go. How is it looking on the ground? You're getting still a lot of support and volunteers and knocking the doors yeah, we, and keeping busy. Yeah, we're, we're gearing up for another night at the office here of uh, addressing letters. That's about to come to an end, and we're about to shift to making get-out-the-vote phone calls. But we've had a huge volunteer turnout. Uh, we're, we're doing three and four volunteer activities a week, two walks, two letter-addressing sessions, um, and we're having, you know, 12, 15, 20 people turn out to those every single time. I, I have never seen a local campaign, a low-level city campaign that built this kind of grassroots support. I know my opponent doesn't have it. Yeah. He's done a couple of days of canvassing that were nothing but photo ops. Uh, and then as soon as the cameras were gone, everyone split. He's just trying to buy this thing with Mayor Gallego's money. And let's let's folks let's band together on this one let's not let that happen i i i don't want to lose the city of phoenix to the same diseases that have taken down san francisco and los angeles and portland oregon just because we we didn't get off our butts and and turn around a mail in ballot and send it in one might uh, also add chicago to that uh, list of cities i was tracking a story today there are get this sam thousands homeless, taking over Chicago O'Hare Airport. Thousands, not hundreds, thousands. I flew back to O'Hare Terminal 3 last week, one flyer said. I'd never seen such a homeless problem in baggage or anywhere else in the 50 years I have lived in Cook County. So you have the homeless now taking over Chicago O'Hare Airport. Maybe homeless is the wrong word for it. And it raises a question, do cities favor the homeless over their own Citizens, I was tracking what was going on in Chicago with crime, and there's this interesting interesting headline about Lori Lightfoot's Chicago, Sam. While arrests are down, violent crimes are up. Surprise, surprise. Do you know they lost 19% of the police force on her watch? I, I do know that, as a matter of fact. And and that's the problem we're having right now is, is every department across the country, including all the small departments and the rural departments, are all hiring. Hold, hold that so thought, you know, buddy. I, ha- I I I threw you a big question right before the break, and that's on me. Uh, hold that thought. We'll come back on that on the other side of the break. Sam Stone is our guest candidate for city council here in District Six. You can go to his website, samstone.vote, or his Twitter feed at Sam the Pol. P O L. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is our guest. Sam, I just got a message uh, during the break uh, from John and Lisa. You may know them. They said, please thank Sam on our behalf for making time in his hugely busy schedule to attend our LD4 meeting last week. We sent him a donation. Thank you, John and Lisa. And thanks to you, Sam, from them for making time to do that. Well, and my thanks in return. And it's never a difficulty to make time for those folks. They're they're out there fighting the fight with all of us, and I can't thank them enough for everything they're doing. They're great people. They're great people. And you know what? It's a funny story about them, uh, my relationship with them. Um, it started off with a disagreement, believe it or not. 
It started off with a with a disagreement uh, where uh, one of them wrote me to challenge something I was saying or or standing for, and it just shows you, you know, um, what uh, candor and goodwill can do in a conversation. And we became really good friends. It goes a long way, and maybe the White House needs to start taking <laughs> yeah. notes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. We were talking about the Chicago situation before we hit the break there, Sam. Uh, There was a headline that said, while arrests are down, crime is up. Uh, Chicago under Lori Lightfoot's lost about 19 percent of its police force. And uh, people are beginning to ask the question, do cities now favor the homeless over their citizens? What's in O'Hare Airport is maybe double what you and I have uh, spoken about in the um, in what what's known as the uh, the the chronic homeless zone here in downtown Phoenix, double. Yeah, I mean it's insane, and yes, they are favoring them more. I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is, we used to understand that you have to treat your tax paying citizens fairly because pretty soon they're going to start leaving, right? If if Phoenix goes the way of San Francisco. Uh, if I if I lose this race and that happens, you're going to have a lot of very good tax-paying citizens who start to flee the city of Phoenix. They're fleeing from around the zone. They're fleeing from Chicago, from Los Angeles, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, every one of these cities. And the story, the numbers may be slightly different, but in every case, the story is the same. Crime is up and police is down and arrests are down. And there's a really big issue underlying all of this that we have to, you know, have to start addressing is if you're just going to say that because someone is, you know, down and out or oppressed or whatever you want to call it, or however you want to define it, that they're outside of the law, then that segment of society is going to become more and more and more lawless. And you're going to start to see, which we're already seeing, citizens taking matters into their own hands in in form of vigilante justice. And that is a terrifying thing. It should, I, I condemn it entirely. But while I condemn it, I also understand it. And it's, it is, this is a really dangerous thing we're heading down here, Seth. Well, it certainly is. And, you know, I, we, we, we struggle in vain to come up with the right, with the with the right with the right phraseology, because to say it's homeless, you and I have talked about this before, makes one think that housing is the solution. And even if we say chronic homeless, it may not resonate with enough people what we're talking about. But these people are not in need of a house. They're in need of sobriety and psychiatric help. Yeah, absolutely the case. Absolutely the case. It, they're in need of intervention, just like we would do for a family member. And that's what love is. Love is not allowing someone to continue down this road where they're going to put themselves and other in danger, where they're going to destroy their lives and the lives of people around them. That is not compassion. That is not love. That is just absolute pandering by the left to a crazy base that now views police as the enemy. Yeah, it's uh, in in an older-fashioned time, which is to say maybe up until about two years ago, maybe two days ago, uh, we would have called it enabling. That's what it's called, yeah. enabling behavior. Um, okay, well... Uh, it is, it, yeah, we have on. another minute, because I want to throw yeah, one more point sure, on that. Sure, sure. There was a bunch of news earlier this week about Phoenix, and oh my goodness, police uh, use of force incidents in Phoenix are up more than any other city in the country, or compared to every other city in the country, are much higher right now. 
that what you said in that Chicago headline tells the story. Arrests are down. Police are down. They are not enforcing the law. Right. And we are still trying, clinging. Our police here are clinging on by their fingernails, trying to enforce the law here, trying to protect our citizens. And as a result, there are more incidents, especially when people feel licensed to be out of control and commit violent acts. That's right. And that's what's happening. And that's what we're voting against by voting for you, by the way. These are the stakes. I mean, you can go down the road of these other Democratic mayor, mayors and city council people, or you can um, you can put, as you said, your finger in the dike and stop this, uh, because if you don't, it will become a flood. Uh, Sal DeCicio was our was our finger in the dike. You used to work with him. He has endorsed you, as I had mentioned earlier, and uh, now it's time for you to take that position. You'll get a sore finger, but you'll save the city, Sam. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've had a sore finger for a while now from this, but I, 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 I'm prepared to go with the Ronnie Lott distance on this one. Okay. When the finger is broken, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to the trainer to shop it off. I'm going back in the game. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all right. That's as gruesome as we get here, folks. Sam, uh, let me let me elevate. Well, yeah, let me stick with the city council uh, just one more moment before I move on to the state and uh, our governor. Uh, I saw Axios made a story of Phoenix may ban council members from using the footprint center suite. What the hell are they going to the footprint center suite for as council members? What's this about? Well, so theoretically, the idea is that, you know, you would use it to try to attract businesses to Phoenix. So if there's some, you know, business leader who's looking at relocating here, that, you know, city leaders could could sort of uh, wine and dine them at the game and all that kind of thing. The problem is once you open that door, inevitably there's abuse. And we're already seeing some of that. And so there was a citizen petition to just say council members should be banned from doing this. Look, I mean, I would never use that suite. I would never do it. If I need to to spend some time with somebody to try to attract them and their business to Phoenix, I, I will talk to somebody and get, you know, have them pay for the tickets. Or give them a the tour of the meeting. studio. Yeah, there you go. They, <laughs> and they're welcome to spend all the time hanging out in my office yeah. that they want to do, and yeah. we can chat. But I'm not going to use a resource like that. It should go to charity. Or that money should be, you know, this should be sold off each year and the money go back to the budget. We're spending a lot of money for that arena. Yeah, I think the worry, the worry I would have is it's the idea is that, you know, maybe city council members are using it or theoretically using it to attract potential business here. But what I worry about is it's actually being used to coddle city council members or have the appearance of doing so. Yeah, and, and look, there just there is no excuse. You cannot go anywhere near that line. I mean, yeah. that's all there is to it. My view is ethically, if you're in office, you cannot go near that line. Some council members have. The mayor has refused to step up and condemn it. Uh, she's you know been there on numerous occasions. Uh, in her case, probably more more legit than some of the others. But I, I mean, imagine, at the end you know, of the day, you're you're spot on, Seth. This yeah. is. This is just a bad idea, and even the, the hint of, of impropriety shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, it's the appearance that uh, just gives so much uh, more skepticism and so much uh, more pessimism about public service. Sam, i got to take a break. Come back. What's this? Uh, Katie Hobbs is blocking $210 million in COVID relief just because it was pushed through by the previous administration. It's like Pete Buttigieg blaming the train derailment on Donald Trump, which he did. Incredible. We'll be right back. I'm Seth. He's Sam. Follow him on Twitter at Sam the Paul P-O-L at Sam the P-O-L. Be right back.
Sam Stone is my guest. SamStone.vote is his website. He is candidate for city council. This week you will be getting your ballots in the mail. Fill them out right away and vote for Sam and send them right back in. Sam, uh, I read this story this morning, and I don't know how it passes the laugh test any more than it passes the smell test. Katie Hobbs blocks $210 million in COVID-19 grants because they came from Doug Ducey. Yeah, th- this is insanity, and her excuses for it are a joke. Uh, you know, trying to say that the Ducey administration acted illegally, there's no such thing. I mean, none. They have... They were very careful, methodical, maybe too careful and methodical for some Republicans' uh, taste, but very methodical administration. They did everything the right way. This is a joke. And you look at these organizations and you see that what she's really doing is continuing her war on school choice. Right. And she's continuing a war on anybody who doesn't toe the line uh, of the left. So, you know, A for Arizona, $75 million. That was for another year of Ducey's signature on-track summer camp program right. to help combat learning loss from the pandemic. Right. Desperately needed, goes away. She just wants to give this money to the teachers' union. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, if, she, if she is going to be complaining that this money went to favored programs of the Ducey administration or programs that fell in line with the favored ideology of the Ducey administration, I'm going to guarantee you if she does claw that money back successfully— you just watch where it goes. You just watch where it goes and find out if that argument still abides or applies. That's exactly right. She also exactly vetoed right. the it's garbage. The, yeah, it's garbage. She also vetoed the uh, the budget, um, which she promised she would. That's actually really no surprise, I suppose. But uh, I don't know if you have any particular thoughts on that. Are we going to go without a budget? You know what? I mean, honestly, Republicans need to need to have some brinksmanship on this because yeah. she's talking about such a radical expansion yeah. of spending that the state cannot afford. Right. We've had a Democrat spend this state into a nightmare once before, and they they just need to stand firm and not let that happen again. They're doing that. And look, this is the exact same budget as last year, which, by the way, was cheered by a bipartisan coalition and, and hailed as a fair, you know, reasonable, address key priorities type of budget. You could still go out. If there are additional monies, she and the legislature could work. And, and allocate those monies in individual spending appropriations. So when she says, oh, this doesn't address the things I want, well, no. This gets us, continues our state government functions, make sure all our state workers get paid, make sure people have health care who are on Medicaid and that sort of thing. This is basic necessities, um, and it funds everything else that was there last year. I mean, literally, you would notice zero difference because there would be zero difference. So this is her just continuing to be everything she said she was not on the campaign trail. Katie Hobbs is as far left as it gets, and she is a a absolute, she's going to be an absolute nightmare for the state of Arizona and, you know, going forward for the next few years. It is it is scary what she's going to be trying to do. It's going to be a rough couple of years. So far, so good on the leadership, as far as I can tell. I really like our leadership over at the state legislature. I really like President Peterson a ton. I really like Ben Toma. I really like these guys. I love Judiciary Chairman Wynn. I don't know if you've gotten to know some of these guys, but it's a pretty great team. It, it's a fantastic team. And any criticisms of them that came down during the, the leadership fight and that sort of thing are, are off base. These folks are all doing outstanding work, 
And they're really, I mean, you're looking at plenty of things that are bipartisan. Yesterday, for example, they passed the bill out of the Senate 29 to, or I think 28 to 1, uh, that cut some of the barriers to building more housing and to building housing more affordably. So, I mean, this is a key thing. And it didn't cost money. It's really just about getting government out of the way and speeding up the processes. They're doing smart stuff. Yeah, seems like it. It's an extremely smart, uh, extremely smart team. And my gosh, they each have such great stories too. I mean, whether you want to listen to to Judiciary Chairman Wynn's story and leaving and fleeing Vietnam in 1975, or uh, Toma's story about what he grew up with, uh, it's. An incredible perspective they're bringing. And by the way, um, let me also say, if the Democrats care about diversity, we're showing it to them. No, that's exactly right. I mean, Democrats squawk about diversity, yeah. but look around yeah, at look the at new how Republican they, leadership. Yeah, look yeah. how they're treating Nikki Haley, right? Right. It's, uh, well, they, they only believe in diversity when it shows the line for far-left ideology. Otherwise, just a white supremacist. Yeah, it's actually a really cheap politics, isn't it, using race for ideological purposes. It really is the cheapest of politics. And for everything. And for everything everything. else, too. Yeah, good point. Let me come back on um, a story out of, I guess, uh, the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, John Fetterman checked himself in to the hospital because he is suffering a severe bout of... um, of depression for which we wish his speedy recovery. The press release said that he has been suffering from bouts of depression for many years throughout his life, but it only became severe in recent weeks. Why would they do this to him, knowing this? And why are we learning about it now for the first time? Sam Stone and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is our guest. I should say he has his own radio show here, heard every Saturday afternoons at 3 as well, breaking battlegrounds with his uh, partner Chuck Warren. Great show it it, it is. I encourage you all to tune in. Uh, Sam, yeah, go ahead. Definitely. If I can stop you, Seth, on that one, folks, make sure you tune in this Saturday at 3 p.m. We're going to have former uh, Utah Congresswoman Mia Love, but also then Marco Rubio uh, oh, is going to be on the program and be interviewed there. And, and a guy who's been doing great reporting on the euthanasia program that they're running in Canada, which has just right. gone so far off Oh, it's the rails. gruesome. It's gruesome. That's the word for it. Gruesome. That's the only word. That's the only word. Well, ghoulish, I guess. Go- well, I, I yeah, ghoulish. Maybe ghoulish. Yeah. yeah. Listeners to this show, regular listeners, and certainly you know, that I will take a back seat to no one in concerns and care and passion about mental health. But this one is just, it cannot go without comment. Under the chapter of, is there anything Democrats won't do? Um, is there anything they won't do or anyone they won't use? So the story is that uh, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman was hospitalized uh, for severe, uh, severe depression. And, um, we, of course, wish him well and wish no one ever have to deal with that. But if you're hospitalized for that, severe might be an understatement. Um, his his chief of staff 
said this today for the record, quote, while John has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, it only became severe in recent weeks. Why, why is this the first time we're hearing from it? One, one person tweeted, imagine if your spouse had a stroke and your response was to push them into a grueling Senate race instead of prioritizing their long-term health because you want fame and power for yourself. Well, that's what happened with that race. And I mean, I, don't, I still don't quite understand how he won, but then again, maybe I do. And certainly it involved a lot of concealing of health and underlying health issues that were very, very much more serious than we were told. Uh, without a doubt, Seth, and, and I've got to say at this point, the doctor that wrote the letter, you know, which was circulated far and wide, that, oh, he's fine to serve, yep. you know, it's just that it, it's visible things, but, but his mind is fine behind it and no. all that. That guy either needs to have his medical license revoked. I mean, quite frankly, because he needs to have his medical license revoked because he made one of two decisions. He made the decision to, on an ideological basis, just a straight, flat lie, or he is totally incompetent as a physician because this man has does not have the capacity to serve in the U.S. Senate. And what his family and the advisors are doing in keeping him there and getting him there is abuse. It is abuse and it is wrong. That man is just being used yeah. by the people around him. Yeah, his wife twi- texted out, uh, excuse me, his wife sent out an email. There's probably no one who wanted to talk about his own health less than John. That's not true. That's not true. The entire campaign and family did want to talk about it. They wanted to lie about it. Right. That's exactly right. All right. What else is on your mind that's going on these days, uh, Sam? What's fun and interesting that uh, caught your eye in the news today? I was. Well, you I was, know, go ahead. You yeah. know, we had another incident here in Arizona with a, a rollover accident on I-10 that I don't think has gotten the coverage it needed, where a truck rolled over and, and spewed red fuming nitric acid uh, in a huge cloud area. And one of the the interesting things is the initial response appears to have been really muddled. Um, Look, we're at a point where we really need to start knowing, and, and they didn't know initially what chemical they were dealing with. Right. There has got to be some way at this point in time for us to know. And we had the same thing happen with this train car derailment where there were chemicals that they released and then burned that might have changed the equation had they known they were there. They didn't. Um, this is a failure of corporate governance. This is a failure of oversight. This is a failure in many ways, and... If we had if we had someone stronger than Pete Buttigieg, we would right now be looking at how we address these problems. And, and as, you know, Buttigieg comes out on TV and goes, "Well, there's a thousand train derailments a year." Well, I'm sorry, you're the Secretary of Transportation. How about you work on cutting that number a little bit? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe stop blaming someone who hasn't been in office for three years. But this is the kind of strategy of the Democrats. Remember when that Fox drone? televised drone was capturing picture of illegal immigrants and the Democrats and the rest of the mainstream media tried to put the kibosh on that, the quietest on that. They don't want us to see it. When they were holding hearings at Judiciary and Oversight last week, those two committees, the Democrats were saying these are sideshows. When Kevin McCarthy brought a delegation down to the border in the Tucson sector today, they called it the politicalization of the border crisis. They called it a sideshow. They called it a political stunt. They just don't want the coverage of these things. But let me tell you why they don't, because the stories and the narratives are really bad. As Kevin McCarthy said today at the Tucson sector, since President Biden took office, enough fentanyl has been seized at the border to kill every American 23 times. A few months ago, that number was 13. 
13 times. Every city is now a border city because of this administration. Well, and, and you know that far more fentanyl has gotten into the country during that period yep. than we've seen. Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, maybe 10 to 1. Yeah, right? we're talking what so, we know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, which tells you how much of this drug is being consumed, and then you start wondering why we're having all this, this massive expansion of street homelessness and addiction and all these things going on. Look, it all ties together. I don't care... If you want to have a discussion about immigration and say, hey, listen, we need to swing the door open more, we need to let more people into this country legally, that's a discussion I will happily have with any Democrat any day. We can come to some sort of agreement and compromise. We can look at the numbers rationally. When you say we're going to keep an open border, what you're saying is I'm turning a blind eye to the pain and suffering, the murders, the human trafficking, the drug dealing, which, frankly, I think is a weapon of mass destruction. Fentanyl is a different level. I mean, I, I, you're turning your back to human suffering that you cannot do. If you say you're a compassionate person and you're turning your back to that, you're just proving you're lying. You know, you have these public health departments in places like San Francisco, literally public health department putting up signs saying, if you're going to use, use safely, start small, do it with friends. San Francisco just reported four overdose deaths to Trank, the, 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 the uh, xylazine, oh. which is an animal tranquilizer. It is not approved for human consumption. You think it can be as bad as you, you think things can't get worse than fentanyl? Well, with enough neglect, they can and now San Francisco is importing that problem for themselves as well. Well, one of the things that's happening now is with the, the high-level commercialization and consolidation of the drug trade behind yep. the Mexican cartels getting their supply from China. You're dealing with real scientists and real labs that are working on, you know, in their mind, improving these drugs, making them more powerful, making them more deadly. And from China's perspective, the more they poison and disrupt our society, the better off they are. We need to understand the threats we're facing and, and deal with them directly instead of continuing this approach of pretending the issue is one thing, which is just people coming here because they want a better life and they want to work. That's not the issue here. The issue on our border is the awful pain, suffering, violence, and death that is coming across it. Folks, that's the kind of plain speak you're going to get from Sam Stone, unvarnished truth, working hard for a community he gives a damn about. Sam Stone, thank you for spending some of your hour with us. Really appreciate it. Seth, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. You bet. Samstone.vote is his website. Samstone.vote. Vote for him. We'll be right back. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what investing with Y-Refi can do for you, they'd love for you to get in touch with them, and they'll put you in touch with any number of their many highly satisfied customers and clients who live in the Phoenix area and have been investing with them and doing quite well. 888-Y-REFI-34 is the number, 888-Y-REFI-34. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com, investyrefi.com. Bob is in Payson. Hello, Bob. 
Hey, Seth and Sam, so nice to hear from you guys again. And I wish I were in your district, Sam, to vote for you, but I will notify my friends in Awatuki to do so. Yeah, he's great. He had to take off, but he's still listening, I know. But, uh, yeah, he is great, and I'm sure he appreciates that message. I know he does. Seth, let me ask you this. I think I brought it up before. Would any civilized country of the 190-something countries in this world allow their borders to be invaded, nope. their citizens to be murdered by the tens of thousands nope. without declaring war upon that invading force. Nope. And and it, the reason being are our politicians, are our judges, are our police officers, are they and their families being threatened by this enemy? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I will always say that there is nothing stronger than ideology, and there is a strong, strong ideology going on right now. Uh, Dennis Prager was going off today a little bit on um, that's, you know, he was speaking uh, uh, strongly today on the difference between uh, liberals and uh, leftists and the war that has been declared on all those virtues and values that you just uh, mentioned, Bob, by, by the left in America. Um, I start with ideology. Uh, I listen to them. I read them. I understand uh, the notion of why they hate the notion of make America great again. I understand what they mean when they say they want to fundamentally transform this nation. I understand what they mean because I take what they say seriously. I wish more of us did. I take the likes of this party seriously the Ilan Omars, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens, because they take Karl Marx seriously, and we have to take it as seriously as they take it. They mean it. I hope we do, too. Thanks, Bob. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.